Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the new and improved Cannon Fire Podcast. Today, it is episode two, and we are just a few days removed from the preseason game in Cincinnati against the Bengals, and we'll talk about that a little bit more further into the episode. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Redicus, joined alongside the best co-host in the business, Mr. Evan, a.k.a. Bucks Football. How's it going, Evan? Evan. Sorry, yeah, uh, your connection uh, got a little weak there for a second. What's going on, guys? Um, yeah, like I said, Red, Red already told you, my name's Evan, a.k.a. Bucks Football, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. Like I said, I'm going to tell this story probably. This is probably the last episode I'm going to tell the story. Um, I, I created the Campfire podcast, and it was originally on Podbean, um, and I just decided that uh, it wasn't. It was doing very well on Podbean, but I felt like it could go to the, to the next level. So, um, I was able to uh, team up with with my buddy Red here, and we were able to put this on a couple other more media platforms. All right, guys, and it is episode two. First of all, as Evan said before, the Cannon Fire podcast has been around for a period of time, but we just recently brought it back. And first things first, we wanted to thank you guys so much for the support. That has come out for the first episode. We put the first episode on YouTube. Got about 65 views in a day. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if a couple of other people were expecting that. Hopefully you guys were, but we appreciate the support very, very much. We also got the episode on iTunes, and I've been getting a lot of impressions from iTunes and a lot of messages from people, especially people messaging Evan, talking about how much they enjoy the show, they support the show, and we just wanted to say thank you guys so much. I had no idea that the show was going to take off like this, and I really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely definitely very appreciated, guys. Uh, keep listening, keep subscribing. Uh, like I said, we're on YouTube, we're on iTunes. Um, so a, a lot of good things coming up in the future for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so it is episode two. And as we said in the beginning, we're going to be picking up right where we left off, talking about preseason, keeping up with the training camp battles. And we are going to get you the latest on the Roberto Aguayo situation. If you haven't heard, 
The golden boy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was let go and claimed off of waivers by the Chicago Bears after he missed an extra point and another field goal in the game against Cincinnati. Disappointing showing for Aguayo. The Bears picked him up because they have... They, they, they like our leftovers. Picked up Glennon, picked up Aguayo, picked up a couple of notable players in the past. I'm more than sure of it. Don't quote me on that, though. But They, uh, they have Connor Barth and Jonathan Banks. I've seen a lot of people petitioning to get Patrick Keenan back. Patrick Keenan, the kicker from 2014. I've noticed that's a hot commodity on social media. But we're going to jump right into the game first. We're going to talk about the pros and the cons from what we saw. It's the first preseason game, so we got to take it easy on these guys just a little bit. But, Evan, I'm going to hand it over to you. What were some pros and cons that you had seen from that first preseason game? Well, I think when you're talking about pros, um, the first pro definitely has to be the, the first-team offense. Uh, you know, opening kickoff, the Bucks won the toss and elected to receive. Uh, and, and they were just like Jameis said. Even they they were facing adversity right from the jump uh, with uh, Kendall Beckwith uh, not having the greatest first kickoff coverage of his career. I guess you could say um, he does a block in the back, commits a penalty, and actually when he does the block in the back, he gets off balance and runs into Ryan Smith, who is the returner. So. Well, about the 12-yard line or so, and the block in the back pushed the ball all the way back to, I believe, the the six, and the Buccaneers drove right down. It was something to see. They drove right down, I believe, 92 yards. Uh, Jameis was on fire. Uh, Mike Evans was on fire on that drive. The only problem, why it isn't the, the best part of the game, well, I believe it probably was the best part of the game, but why it couldn't have been, um, like, getting Bucks and Joe excited was they still had the same problems they did last year, and that was red zone. Um, was targeted two times in the red zone, or I should say goal line almost for first and goal situations. First and goal was a run to Jaquiz Rogers. was a nice run. He got him down there, uh, gained about three yards or so. And then this first throw from Winston to Evans on second and goal, Winston just missed him, threw it too much to the outside. He threw it where only Evans could get it. The only problem was Evans Hmm, pretty simple. Third no. throw. What's up? Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Um, the the third throw was uh, from Winston again, and that one was uh, you know there was a, there was a co- a little bit of contact there with Evans and Pacman Jones, but they're gonna let they're gonna let that go because Evans gets those calls too. Uh, earlier in the drive, Jameis hit Evans on a deep ball, and Evans got away with a little push off. So, I mean, they're not really gonna call that. It's they're not gonna call on Evans. So, Evans was looking for the flag, didn't get one, had it itself for a field goal. But other than that, uh, the offense was a a big pro. Uh, what were you gonna say there, Brett? I was going to say you had talked about uh, the team just pretty much having the same problems as they did kind of before, and that's why people were so critical about it. I wanted to bring up the defense really quick. Even on that drive with the first-team defense, you brought it up in the last episode, and I was paying attention to it during the game. Open field tackling is still not as bad as it was. I'm not going to say it's at its worst point. There's been no improvement, but there were definitely a few runs that shouldn't have been as big as they were, even if they were 10, 15-yard games uh, by Cincinnati. It really came down to the tackling on a lot of those plays. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, and it was, it, I expected it, and I think it's going to be limited um, every single game from now on. I expected it because, like I said, their cutter's not tackling in practice at all. So um, I expect that there to be better tackling in Jacksonville, and then I expect there to be better tackling in Cleveland, uh, not in Cleveland, in Tampa versus Cleveland next week. And then I expect there to be uh, pretty much the tackling. Uh, week four versus Washington, even though the starters won't really play. Um, Evans out there getting a lot of reps. He needs to he needs to get tackling. That's his one. He would have been a first round pick had he been able to tackle, and he just can't tackle. He's probably Texas A and M's worst tackler, I guess you could say. He just he just can't do it. He's great instincts, great ball skills, but cannot tackle for nothing. Uh, he's a hard hitter, but he can't tackle in the open field. And and you saw that a couple times. I believe Joe Mixon got to the outside. Justin Evans was there, and it uh, could have been a, a two-yard game for Mixon if Evans makes a tackle. Uh, and instead, it turns into a, he misses the tackle, and it turns into an eight-yard game for Mixon. So that could be the difference between winning and losing right there. If that's a If that's a fourth and five there, and they decide to – we're going to outsmart him and run the ball with Mixon there. Justin Evans has to make that tackle. He makes a tackle, the game's over. He misses it. Mixing it's, you know, eight yards. The game still still goes on, and, you know, the Bengals could score a touchdown. However, um, there is a positive, and I'm going to say this is my second pro. Uh, the, the con was, number one, the, the – I'm not really going to say the run defense. I'm going to say the tackling. Because I, the run defense – you look at it, uh, Joe Bucks fan the site that I go on frequently uh, put out um, an article that said the run defense was actually a bit better tonight than it was average last year. Uh, to, uh, not tonight, you know what I meant, uh, Friday night. Um, I believe they uh, averaged 3.8 yards per carry, the Bengals, against the Bucks defense. And last year, the average was 4. Six or maybe even four point eight against the Bucks defense. So um, it, it went down. The average went down. Um, but that that's uh, my con is a tackling. Pros the offense, and my other pro is Vernon Hargraves. Um, you know the Bengals defense basically, Bengals offense basically drove down. Uh, I was able to to get in pretty good range and it would get almost a touchdown there. And Vernon Hargraves made an outstanding play. Um, plays. Uh, I've seen by a corner in, in a little while. Uh, he absolutely, I mean, quick feet, uh, quick instincts, backpedaling good, looked good, uh, made a nice play on the ball, was able to get two feet in bounds by doing the the, the, uh, the toe tap and uh, saved any points from going on the board. And that's what you have to do. That's how the Bucks are going to win games. They need to force turnovers. You don't force turnovers, you don't win. Um, you know, that's just, you know, they, they got to get better at that. And, um, I think they will. And you're looking at the defense. Good job by Vernon Hargraves. I was going to bring that up as well. It's nice to finally see a pick out of the boy. We only saw one last year, and it took how many games? And uh, nice to see him come out first time on the field in the preseason and snag one from Cincinnati right before they put themselves on the board. But another thing I wanted to bring up was the quarterback situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick really – I'm not going to say he had an elite night. He wasn't out there looking like a Hall of Famer or anything – but not a bad first impression on his part. Uh, he completed his first series with a six-yard touchdown run and then went six of 13 overall with an interception for the rest of the night. 
also scrambled twice for 15 yards. He uh, he lost the ball one time while trying to throw, but he did end up recovering his fumble. It's a preseason performance. It's a preseason performance. Excuse me. It's a preseason performance. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't expect much, but he gave me a little more than I was expecting. So not bad on his part, I would say. And as you know, Ryan Griffin in the fourth quarter went down on his shoulder. Uh, we haven't heard a time frame. At least I haven't heard a time frame of how long he's going to be out. Uh, I don't know about you or your thoughts on the quarterback. I'll toss it to you. Uh, you know, everybody is really thinking that they have a backup quarterback situation like problem, and I don't see it that way. I don't think Fitzpatrick was that bad. I'm going to agree with you. Um, Fitzpatrick looked decent to me. You know, you got to think. Uh, I believe it was uh, Freddie Martino dropped two of Fitzpatrick's passes that would have been first downs. Uh, he he should have caught um, the. You know, the receivers weren't helping out the quarterbacks at all. You know, Josh Huff dropped the pass uh, from Ryan Griffin. Um, you know, OJ Josh Howard Huff actually had a drop as well. Well, I mean, it was uh, a target a drop, to OJ Howard, but off yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, um, Adam Humphreys had a drop off Jameis Winston. That's the first time I've ever seen Humphreys like cleanly drop a ball. Preseason, you know what it is? It's the number. Yeah, it's the number. He doesn't have the number anymore. It's going to screw him up for the rest of the year. <laughs> Oh, my God. Let's hope not. Then, Deshaun, can you please switch your Philly number, number 10, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, back to the point. Uh, I thought Ryan Griffin looked good. Um, you know, I, it would, I'm not going to say he looked better than Fitzpatrick because, quite frankly, Fitzpatrick played more, and Fitzpatrick got in the end zone, and Fitz, Jameis Winston didn't get in the end zone, Fitzpatrick did. No, I am not at all saying that Jameis Winston. Fitzpatrick is, going to is the goat, out. man. You don't know what you're talking about. Fitzpatrick well, is who's going to lead mean, this team to three more Super Bowls in the next five years. You can you can quote me on it now. Actually, you know what you got to do. You got to start making those. Uh, you got to start making those little pictures whenever I say something yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> quote me on that. Quote me on that. Fitzpatrick is the man that's going to give us three more rings. I'm telling you right uh, now. Yeah, we'll start him over Jameis Week One. On we'll get Twitter. that dub. That's. That's going to be out on the Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> episode, I guarantee. Well, anyways, um, I, well, I, I just wanted to point out that, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick, when, when he was running in, uh, I, I said I said to the person I was watching it with, I said, you know, Fitzpatrick is also known as the white Michael Vick. So, um, like that, you know that's exactly why they brought him to Tampa because they knew he has this blazing speed and he can just get by anybody. But, yeah, he uh, can tear up defenses inside <laughs> and out, man. Should have put him on the cover of Madden 18. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's really unfortunate what happened to Ryan Tampa Griffin. Another curse, man. That'd be terrible. Could you imagine mm. Fitzpatrick? <laughs> Fitzpatrick, not even Jameis. Fitzpatrick in a Bucks uniform on the cover of Madden 18. And the whole campaign with this whole Madden 18 cover, they've recognized the Madden curse. All I've seen is hashtag reverse the curse. Can you imagine Fitzpatrick in a Bucks uniform? Oh. Oh. But he did have a good performance yeah. during that preseason game. Let me not take that away from him. I know it sounds like we just completely 180 and we're bashing the guy. But, no, he had a good performance. Uh, it was nice to see something like that from him. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I um, last point I want to make here, I feel bad for Ryan Griffin. Uh, I think he was doing fine. And I think I honestly think that Ryan Griffin would have ended up uh, looking better uh, had he stayed in the game. I actually think that Ryan Griffin 
the Bucks may have actually I don't know if they would have won, but they may have been been in been in the but longer because um Fitzpatrick did have a great night, but however, uh Bernard Reedy had a really nice return, punt return. He looked good. He he looked good on Friday night. But uh then that's when the Fitzpatrick drive happened. Patrick was almost picked, dropped, then he let the ball right out of his hands, Josh McCown esque. Uh, I never forget the week oh, one twenty fourteen versus the Carolina flashbacks. Panthers. Oh. Carolina do you remember that? I do. I, I I try not to. I try not to remember the 2014 <laughs> season, the two-win buck. But yeah. let me uh, let me actually tell you a story really quick. It's not going to be too long. But um, I have a buddy of mine. It was our freshman year. It was the beginning of that 2014 season. There was a lot of hype going into the Bucks. The new uniforms had just come out. It was great. I wouldn't say it was great, but it was a good situation. Lovey, Sm- uh, Lovey Smith coming into the situation after Shiano. We got a better coach. We got an experienced coach. And then, and then, and then Josh McCown happened. But I have a friend of mine, and I don't remember who it was. I think he was more of an acquaintance. I hate to say that, but it was almost five years ago. I, I don't remember who it was. Um... But I remember him telling me that he was in Publix and he ran into Josh McCown with a little green basket just shopping. Just shopping for things. He wasn't there with anyone else. He was just by himself in basketball shorts and a white t-shirt that had some sort of fundraiser on it. And he was just there shopping for stuff. And he walks up to him. He's like, are you Josh McCown? Guy looks at him. He's like, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, how you doing? He's like, oh, my God, you're at Publix. And, you know, they had a little conversation. He took a picture with him. If I had the picture, I wish I, I wish I had the picture. But the picture was funny. It was just these little red basketball shorts. It looked like something out of the 80s, man. Have you Actually, you know what? Have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen White Men Can't Jump? Mm-hmm. That basketball movie from the 90s? He looks like Woody Harrelson. He's got on these red <laughs> pair of athletic basketball shorts that don't go any lower to his knees. And then he's got this white, you know, uh, fundraiser or donation shirt, kind of like one of the Glazer, uh, the Glazer Foundation shirts. It's just white. It's got something on the front of it, and like the side of it was tucked in. He had his Nikes on, no socks. It just, oh, it, it looks so funny. It looks so <laughs> funny. I wish I had that picture. Should have made it go viral. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I try not to. Yeah, remember that's, that guy. that's definitely something. Yeah, guys, you, you won't be hearing much from the 2014 Bucks from this podcast. I guarantee <laughs> it's probably the last of it. Um, so anyway, back to Fitzpatrick. Uh, like I said, he had he had that fumble. He was able to recover it. And then the very next play, he actually does throw a pick. But the Bucks were on the Cincinnati like 35-yard line. They could have kicked the field goal. Could have been Nick Folk or Roberto Aguayo. And I honestly think that if Ryan Griffin does get injured, I think they maybe not get the ball in the end zone, but I think they have an opportunity to kick a field goal because I think Griffin would uh, protect the ball a bit better. Um, that's the one knock I had on Fitzpatrick. I didn't think he um, always made the smartest decision in the world, but when he made the smartest decision in the world, so... You know, you can't really uh, – it's a preseason game. It was the backup quarterback. Listen, this is the last thing I'm going to say about the backup quarterback. Then we can move on to Aguayo or, or whatever you'd like, Rhett. Um, saying that, you know, oh, backup quarterback, backup Ryan Griffin, Ryan Fitzpatrick, why don't we sign Kyle Kaepernick? If Jameis goes down, the season's over anyway. There's nobody coming in and being, uh, you know – 
Brady to, you know, Drew Bledsoe, like like that. Like, there's nobody like Jameis is Drew Bledsoe and Ryan Griffin's Tom Brady or whatever, and he comes in and wins the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. Um, there's And there's nobody on the street right now, even Kaepernick, that, that would be able to to manage it, you know, any more than six wins. The, this team, you know, without Jameis Winston, I hate to say it, it's a six-win team. That's how important a quarterback is in this league. Yeah, no if, pressure. And if you're starting quarterback. No pressure on Jameis whatsoever. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, just the whole city of Tampa uh, would burn if <laughs> he got injured. Um, you know, look at Derek Carr. The Raiders were Super Bowl contender. Derek Carr gets injured. Raiders are one and done in the playoffs. It, it, it kills teams. Absolutely kills them. The Titans were primed to win the AFC South. Mario goes down. The Titans lose the end up losing the game to the Jaguars. And I believe they lost their that might have been their finale, but they need that game and they lost and because Mariota got injured and Matt Castle was no Tom Brady. And people can bring up, oh well look at Dallas a year ago. Romo goes down, Prescott comes in. No, that's a different situation. These two backup quarterbacks that we have, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin, these guys have proven themselves on the field and they have proven that they are backup quarterback quality. Dak Prescott was unproven. Nobody knew who the hell Dak Prescott oh, yeah, was yeah, when he I, stepped into that huddle for the first time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And honestly, I would, <laughs> I mean, sort of, I mean, not really crappy to say, but I would, if I had the choice, I'd keep Ryan Griffin. I don't know if I'd sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would honestly look to maybe draft uh, Brad Kaya, the quarterback from Miami last season uh, in, in the draft, and have him be be maybe groomed as your backup quarterback. Uh, they, they clearly wanted a veteran in there with a uh, young guy, Jameis. Um, Bucks are taking the approach. I think their cutter, Jason Leiter, smart enough. Obviously, this is 10 years down the line to where the Bucks maybe draft a quarterback in the fourth round or whatever. All right, Jameis has got two more years left in on his career. At least two two years and let's get this guy in i could see that but uh the current situation i know why they didn't do it and and you look at uh you look at the situation you were talking about before with with cutting fitzpatrick and if if you want to argue the counterpoint fitzpatrick at this point at this stage in his career he's 34 years old he's 34 isn't he 34 or 32 34 he's 34 years old He's been on a, he's been on a couple teams. But you look at it as another Josh McCown situation. It's the same exact thing. The same exact thing other than our star quarterback going down because at the time we really didn't have a star quarterback. But we'll get to that later, but regardless, you can't bring in an old washed up guy. I'm all with you on if it came down to it. Cut Fitzpatrick, look to draft up uh, at least for a semi-talented quarterback out of college. But this is all hypothetical. We don't need to be talking about this. We are going to wrap up the preseason coverage, though. Uh, taking a look at the rookies, the Buccaneers tight end O.J. Oh, excuse me. The Buccaneers tight end O.J. Howard uh, didn't have a catch with only one pass thrown his way the whole night. And Chris Godwin did have one catch for a total of 14 yards on the night. And then heading over to the Bengals, because I know everyone loves the rookies. Joe Mixon had several nice runs, avoiding tacklers to get extra yards. He carried six times for 31 yards and turned his only reception into an 11-yard game by uh, slipping through a pair of attempted tackles. 
he is competing with Jeremy Hill for playing time on that Cincinnati depth chart. But that's just about going to do it for our coverage on week one of preseason against Cincinnati. Bucks go in there. They lose. No big deal. We've got Jacksonville, and we have been practicing. It's been joint training camps with Jacksonville all this week. Uh, do you have any more info on that, Evan? Um, yeah, they started today. Um, the, it was very hot in Jacksonville today, and, uh, you know, I heard that last year in Jacksonville, the first day uh, they did joint practices uh, last year, and the first day the offense uh, last year did not look good at all in, in Jacksonville in the joint practice, and today was the same. Uh, the offense didn't look good. They looked uh, out of rhythm. Uh, they looked like the heat really got to them, and the Jaguars were able to, to take advantage. Uh, it looked like, the from what I just read, it looked like the Jaguars were more game-ready. It, it looked like that uh, the Jaguars were treating this like an actual game, and the Bucks were treating it like a practice, and uh, Dirk Cutter wasn't very pleased. Uh, with the offensive production, he even said at his press conference, he said, you know, that, and I think, and I quote, uh, that's, not what, that's not what we're looking for, but, uh, you know, joint practices, you got to get better. Um, and I, that's no big deal. It's it's practice, you it's know, practice. just like it's Alan Iverson said. It's just practice, you know. It's just practice. So um, they're doing – they did full pads today, Monday, uh, Tuesday. They're doing shells, which are just shoulder pads, no uh, no uh, leg pads or anything like that. It's just shoulders. And um, Wednesday, they have a day off. And Thursday, uh, Thursday night at 8.30 on ESPN, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you take a look back. Uh, coming up, that next preseason game, that is uh, – say the time and date again one more time. I'm sorry about that. It's, um, it's this Thursday, uh, 8.30 p.m., I believe, on ESPN. Um, this Thursday, August 17th, 17th at 8.30 p.m., yep, on ESPN. All righty, guys, make sure you check it out. Uh, preseason week two in Jacksonville should be a good game. Hopefully looking to come out a better team than we were when we played Cincinnati. But it is preseason. We'll see what happens and we'll keep you updated on those battles as they continue. But talking about battles, one that's already been resolved a little bit sooner than we thought it would be, Roberto Aguayo is gone. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's not here anymore. Roberto Aguayo, the second-round pick, missed a field goal and an extra point in our game against Cincinnati in the Buccaneers game against Cincinnati. And it's it's been a rough tenor for him in the NFL so far. Mm-hmm. Mm, definitely, um, definitely not the start that uh, I mean. If if you would have asked Dirk Cutter, Jason Light, uh, even Roberto Aguayo, or anybody in the Buccaneers organization, or even the Buccaneers fan, um, I think they probably would have said that. Uh, well, they're going to make the decision. I, I believe I even said it on this very podcast last week. I said that they're going to make the decision the final week of the preseason because I think it's going to be very close. Wasn't that close, I guess. Aguayo made his first field goal uh, when they couldn't score in a red zone. I could have made that field goal. I believe it was a 20-yard field goal. Uh, I literally could have made it. Um, So he made that one. Congrats. Uh, If he missed that, Dirk Cutter probably would have said, you know, just go to the locker room and get on the plane home. You're done. Um, But he didn't. I honestly think it's physically impossible to miss that short of a field goal. I've never seen it happen. Unless it's been, unless it's blocked, that's the only way. Well, now we have, buddy. Kicker. Unfortunately, <laughs> I ne- I never seen a kicker 
flat out just miss field goal or it used to be an extra point. But anyway, speaking of extra points, uh, Bucks finally got in the end zone with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and what happens? Aguayo uh, clunk right off the upright. Um, or you could tell he wasn't too happy. Um, and then Nick Volk comes in and hits his 45-yarder, which 45 yards, may I need to remind you, is longer than any field goal that Roberto has ever made in the NFL. As long as 43, Nick Folk made a 45. And then Aguayo finally gets to, you know, I said as long as 43. Two. He, with one minute left, Seifo Leifau, um, who I actually thought. Uh, oh, he came out strong. Bucks, uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought he uh, looked pretty good. I like his mobility. So, hope to see a little bit more from him in Jacksonville. And I believe he will because he'll probably be taking Ryan Griffin's spot. Um, as of now, until Griffin comes back with the injury. Uh, by the way, Dirk Cutter said about a couple weeks, so he may. I'm sure they'd like for him to play Week Four in the preseason. Um, that's probably their hope, or at least you know Week Three, maybe Week Four. Um, that's probably what they're thinking, hoping, but you never know. But anyways, um, Afton, Dirk Cutter says, "All right, well, I'm gonna call a timeout. I'm gonna have Safo. Uh, I'm gonna have him spike it here, and it's second and ten, and." I'm going to have Roberto Aguayo try to redeem himself. Nick Volk already made his 45-yarder. Aguayo made a chip shot field goal, which Dirk Cutter knew it was a big deal that he made it. Um, I would bet my house that he would have made that 20-yard field goal. So um, then he missed the extra point. So Dirk Cutter figured, why not give him a little redemption? Maybe give him a little confidence going into the next game and make the make the battle a bit close. He would have, could have, that was probably the worst thing Dirk Cutter could have done for Roberto Guaz's career because <laughs> um, that was it. That there was on this team. If Dirk Cutter, let's say the Bucks never get the ball back, Aguayo's still on this team. Yeah. If Cutter decides to go with Nick Folk, Aguayo's still on this team. If Seifo Lefau decides, you know, to throw a pick or, you know, he. Uh, strip sack or whatever. Guayo's still on the team. He's still on the team. And, <laughs> and Dirk Cutter and Dirk Cutter said, you know what? No, come out there and kick. And that ended him. That was, I mean, I don't know how you line up on the left hash and kick it and miss it wide right. And he, he signed don't, and sealed that. his fate in blood with that missed kick. And it's, it's sad. He headed into that game ahead of Falk on the team's depth chart, as everyone knew. He had a rough rookie see uh rough uh Jesus a rough rookie season. Uh, he missed a league leading nine field goals as well as two extra points. He was last in the NFL with a field goal percentage of 71. And after the game in Cincinnati, Coach Cutter said that's something that will definitely be talked about. You're a kicker and you got to make your kicks. He kicked off well, but that was a good situation for our competition at the end of the game. That's all he had to say, and that's one thing I can respect about Coach Dirk Cutter. He says what he means and he means what he says. I like that he doesn't feed into the media too, too much. One of my favorite quotes from him, I know we're getting a little off topic here, and we'll pick back up in a second, but we're still kind of new to the show. We can get off topic. We'll be all right. One of my favorite quotes from Dirk Cutter, and this was just a few months ago. Someone asked him the identity of this football team heading into the season, and he looked the reporter straight in his eye, and he said, this is a badass football team. I don't know why nobody has taken that sound clip and made highlights out of it, but – 
Evan, you make highlights, you need to get right on that, my man. That's probably one of the coolest things I've ever heard a head coach say, and I'm glad that it's <laughs> the coach here in Tampa. But back to the Aguayo situation. We'll see what he hold, uh, we'll see what the future holds for him in Cincinnati or not Cincinnati. Jesus, what is wrong with me? Well, Chicago. the future didn't hold too well for him in Cincinnati. Yeah, so. yeah. His future was put on hold in Cincinnati that night, but the Chicago Bears picked him up off of waivers. We'll see how he does in Chicago. Only thing you can really do at this point is just wish him the best of luck. It, it sucks. It sucks. What a fall from grace for a second-round pick. The Bucks traded up to pick this guy up. And yeah. you can't really blame him. Statistically, he is the best kicker in college football history. And it's just it's a shame that you know this happens to talented players. But moving on from the Aguayo situation, wanted to take a look and wanted to get your thoughts. We had brought it up before. A lot of people were talking about those uniforms. The uh, the red with the white pants, and I like I really I'm really digging the red stripe on the pants as opposed to the brown or the black or whatever it was last season. Yeah, um, a lot of people like them. I like them. However, I think you know it, it's weird because to me, looks a like uniform Atlanta. looks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I me, thought that was where uniform, you were going. I'm sorry to cut you off. Problem, it's no problem. Uh, to me, a uniform looks can look worse or better depending on. This is gonna sound weird. Depending on the type of weather it is, it's a nice sunny day, and it's for a four twenty five game, and the you know the sun's just about to go down. I think that pewter with the red on pewter. I think that looks fantastic. Um, if it's early in the year, I think the I don't really like the white on white. I like the white on pewter much better. Oh, I think that really? looks fantastic. Under the light, I really like the, the red on white, though. Um, I really like the red on white under uh, the lights because they only had, uh, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes, a half hour of actual daylight, and then it got dark in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I thought it looked really good under the lights. So um, the color rush unis, I think they look okay. Uh, I experienced it. Uh, I saw it on TV once, and I saw it live once. So, uh, you know, I like I said, I think it's time for a change, though. I think uh, they need to go all pewter or some sort of black. I think that would uh, – jersey sales would skyrocket, I really think. If we went all pewter or all black. I would like to see some sort of black at the top. I think it's been too long, and I think we've incorporated the black highlight in our uniform enough to not have it as a primary color. But, you know, I see where you were going with that, and I totally agree with you, man. I think nighttime games, primetime games, if you look at a Sunday night game, that red and white looks clean at nighttime. I prefer the white on white just because if you can mix it up with the pewter pants and not wear them, I appreciate that. Uh, it's just a traditional look to me, and I like it. It never gets old. But if you can mix it up a little bit, I'm a little, I'm all for it. But I love the white on white. The white on white looks clean. But you're right. The white on white and the red on white would not look good a 1 o'clock game or even 4.15. Like you said, the sun's going down. You got the lights shining just right. The sunset, it looks badass with the red and the pewter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean... Oh, uh, you know, I I really think it. I really do. I just it's just something about it. Um, the the worst the worst combination that I think they have is when they go. I think I know what you're about to with, say too. White on white with orange socks. Yep, 
I cannot yeah. stand the orange socks. I hope those never come I out again. I think that looks horrible. Yeah, I think that looks absolutely awful, and they shouldn't wear them again. Uh, they wore them 20 week. Oh, here goes that 2014 season again. Um, they wore uh, um, week six versus Baltimore. I think that's 20, almost, 2014 uh, they, was just the worst. They brought us a bad quarterback. They brought us a bad team, 2-14. and 14. They brought us the orange socks. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Um, they wore the, the orange socks, white on white with orange socks, twice. Uh, week six versus Baltimore in Tampa looked bad there. And week uh, 15, I believe, in Carolina, which they actually looked decent. And I'm telling you, it was because of the weather. Uh, I think the, the sunlight does not go well with the white on white orange socks. The sunlight did not look good. I, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast right now are probably starting to tune out because we're talking about uniforms here. But you know, maybe some guys like uniforms. Oh come on! Everyone loves talking uniforms every once in a while. You can't say you don't. Yeah, I know. But um, anyways, I just want to finish up. I the sunlight with the with the orange socks didn't look good at all. Watch highlights while you know. Watch a couple seconds. Watch enough to to, or maybe look up pictures of the Ravens versus because you don't want to see a highlight of that game. I think it was like forty-eight <laughs> to fourteen or something. Final um, um, look up pictures of the Ravens versus Bucks in twenty fourteen. You'll see what we're talking about, and then look up Panthers versus Bucks in twenty fifteen, twenty fourteen, I believe. Again, week fifteen, um, for past in Carolina and it looked it didn't look great but it looked much better and one last thing I'm going to say on the uniforms one last thing I like talking uniforms don't get me wrong I like making sure that our team looks the way that they should I like making sure they look good and they look dominating on the field that's why I like talking uniforms because image is everything I mean yeah you can have an ugly uniform and and not uh, and not be a bad team that's, that's a big thing too but Images everything. One thing I wanted to say really quick, a lot of people were also saying it. I dig the red and white, but we look too much like Atlanta. That's what I had heard. With that red and that white, with the red stripe on the side of the pants, I don't know what it was. I don't think a lot of people knew what it was. But if you were watching the game from 30 feet away in Hooters or a bar, and you looked at the TV, you were like, damn, I didn't know Atlanta was playing tonight. We looked like Atlanta from certain angles. And, you know, when those aerial shots came in, coming back from commercial, it was pretty pretty apparent to most that it, it wasn't an image that we had perfected. But I'm digging it. I like mixing it up. No, uh, definitely. Uh, like I said, I'm all for different different combos. Uh, like I said, I, if I had to rank uniforms, I'd go number one. To, uh, just the last thing I'm going to say about it. Then if you want to move on, we can move on and talk about – uh, maybe uh, maybe some matchups about in Jacksonville. I have a couple. Um, just to finish up, uh, number one's pewter on red. Number two is uh, white on pewter. Number three is the red on white. Number four is the color rush, and number five is the white on white. All right, man. So we're gonna move on here, talking about some matchups with Jacksonville. Uh, as you guys know, or even if you haven't heard, uh, running back Leonard Fournette for Jacksonville is probably not going to be playing this game as he did hurt his foot in training camp just a few days ago. Uh, he actually came out and said something along the lines of, man, I didn't think the NFL was going to be this hard, or something like that, and that pissed a lot of people off. But we're not here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, just give you a little update on the rookies. If you were looking forward to seeing Leonard Fournette, 
Like I was. I, I wanted to see how a power back like him would match up with our guys, but, you know, we'll see it some other time. Hopefully when he's a little more experienced. But moving into that game, you wanted to touch on some key matchups, and then after that we'll probably wrap up the show for you guys here. Uh, but talking about Jacksonville, Evan. Well, I mean, just to, just to clarify your point there, Fournette didn't say it was hard. Fournette actually got a lot of hate because he said it was easy. Really? Yeah, he said that, wow, he was like, I was told that the NFL was going to be so fast. Well, it's pretty it's pretty slow for me or whatever. And he said something along, along those lines. Yeah, that, wow, this is, this is easier than I thought it was going to be or something like that. Oh. Well, I did not know that. Forgive me, guys. I will uh, I will check my sources next time. I'm not too focused on Leonard Fournette <laughs> or Jacksonville. Nothing good ever comes out of Jacksonville. No, well, not when Blake Bortles is your quarterback. And um, speaking of backs, not quarterbacks, not running backs, but I'm going to go defensive backs. And I'm going to go the Bucks defensive backs versus the Jacksonville wide receivers. I'm talking all first team here. We're not talking really depth or anything. Um, you know, it's going to be Ryan Smith and Vernon Hargraves likely again because Brent Grimes is out for the preseason with injury. Don't worry. He'll be back for week one. He's going to be fine. He's going to pick off Jay Cutler 50,000 times. Um, the, the, the smoking gunslinging quarterback, Jay Cutler. Um, I think that this game is going to tell a lot about Ryan Smith. Uh, I think, you know, it's just a big year for him. And it's also going to tell how Vernon Hargraves has grown because – Vernon Hargreaves faced Jacksonville last year, looked okay, and uh, we're going to see because Jacksonville has better weapons than Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati does have one better receiver, A.J. Green, but overall I think Jacksonville has more weapons than Cincinnati. Uh, um, Robinson and Allen Hurd's on the outside uh, with, with a couple other guys. Uh, they got some good running backs. Uh, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting, and I hope that Vernon and Ryan Smith and even JV and Elliott I'm going to be looking at um, can step up to the challenge. And the other thing I'm going to be looking for is the Bucks wide receivers against the Jaguars defensive backs. Uh, newly guy, uh, newly signed free agent, A.J. Boye, is going to be playing um, Ramsey, and they're going to be covering Mike Evans and Sean Jackson. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how, how those two those two respond. And uh, how things look there, and how James Winston can can uh, can can really, uh, if he can take advantage of it or not, it's going to be interesting to see. I think we could see a lot of Cam Brate and OJ Howard, even though um, you know the Jaguars have athletic, athletic linebackers with Miles um, Jack, Telvin Smith, those type of guys. I just there's something about Cam Brate and OJ Howard that like. You still have trouble covering them, even if you are an athletic linebacker like a Quan Alexander or Levante David. They still have trouble uh, guarding these guys. So I think Jameis could really rely on the tight ends. And I also think I think Chris Godwin. I don't really think he's going to get many first team reps, but uh, I think he have a big day. I, I really do. I was sort of disappointed. Uh, a lot of fans were were saying, you know, that oh Chris Godwin really really disappointed. Well. I got one target, and what he did, he caught the ball. So uh, it no, was 14 net yards. Of, and, net gain of 14 yards. He got more than 10 yards. He moved the chains. That's all you can really ask for him on one target. Yeah, uh, and I mean, even I watched the game, and I saw when Gowan was out there, it was either Fitzpatrick or whether it was Griffin. It seemed like 
they looked one way. They didn't lo- even look Godwin's way. It wasn't that Godwin wasn't getting open. It seemed like Griffin or Fitzpatrick had one read that they were going to go to, and they were going to focus on one side of the field. And it wasn't. It was a quick three three second drops, and the ball was out. So and that that probably really, really just Godwin. comes down to. Uh, sorry to interrupt, man. I'm sorry. Um, it probably really just comes down to scripting on there, and you know they go into this game. They know they're going to get this much playing time at the beginning of the game. They know what they're going to have to try and do with the weapons that they have. And I think, you know, you, you talk about they drop back. It's very systematic. They look one way. There's their guy. That really just comes down to scripting. And it, you see it a lot in these less experienced quarterbacks, especially when they're getting preseason reps. Uh, you just you really don't script to look across the field and see a wide-open Chris Godwin when he's not running the route that you're not supposed to look at. And... Totally. I, I totally see where you're coming from, but I got you, man. Yeah, I, I you know, you, you brought some good points there. And um, the one thing you said about playing time, starters know uh, how much playing time we're going to get. Uh, the starters are expected to play a bit more than they did in Cincinnati. Uh, the offensive starters played as expected in Cincinnati, defense as well. Uh, I expect probably since we saw two drives out of the offense i'd probably expect three drives out of the starting offense now so that would be the whole first quarter and some into the second quarter and i would expect probably three drives of the starting defense as well so probably the whole first quarter and uh, some of the second quarter and then the third game i think you're going to see them play a whole half and then maybe a, a drive um quarter so i think you're going to see uh, obviously, two drives the first game, three drives each the second game, and probably five drives the third game. So that's pretty much what you're going to see. All righty, guys. Some wide words from Evan, who is our analyst guy. He's proven to know more about the game than a lot of people that I know. But that's just about going to do it for Episode 2 of the Cannon Fire Podcast. It is August 14th, 2017. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you guys so much for subscribing on YouTube and iTunes. Make sure you still do it if you haven't already and you liked what you heard. Remember, YouTube and iTunes, make sure to subscribe and go Bucks. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.